This is Greg Collins, Substitute Teachers Lounge. And let's face it, as substitute teachers, we're not here to be liked. Hmm. Substitute Teachers Lounge. You know, whether you are a new substitute teacher or a veteran substitute teacher, you've got a few decisions to make. Some of you made them early. Some of you changed your mind after you started. Some of you, I shouldn't say some of you, maybe even me, were set in our ways and we'll eventually run into a substitute teacher if not if it's not ourselves that will say, I'm not in this to be liked. I'm in this to teach the kids. Now, think about it. Do those two things go together, or can you be both? Do you have to be one or the other? Can you be neither? That's what we'll talk about today. Now, think about it for a while. Especially if you're a new substitute teacher or new enough, like myself, I've been doing it for two years, did you run into other substitutes that, you know, maybe you're eating lunch with them if you were invited to lunch, and maybe the this is a teacher's concept too, not just substitute teachers, but have you run into a teacher that said, well, I'm here to teach those kids. I'm not here to be liked. I am not here to be their friend. Let's think about that a little bit today. What I want to do is tell you my approach. When I first started out, and especially when I was put in situations where I had to grade those kids, maybe it was a little bit longer role. Well, I had to tell them, I remember telling them that, hey, listen, I know you guys are used to me as a substitute teacher. A lot of time I come in here one day most of the time and I'm out of here should I act different for you guys in those two situations? One is short-term, one is long-term. Should I be more of your friend? Should I let you get away with more or maybe make the class more fun if I'm just in there for today? Now, I've asked students this before. I've asked them who their favorite teachers, substitute teachers are, and their teachers for that matter, and they tell me. And then I'll ask them why. And most of them will say, well, I think that it's because they will listen to me. Sometimes they'll say, oh, they won't. They never make us do anything. Now, that's not entirely proper. You know, if you're in a situation where you have a reputation that we never actually do anything, that's the other extreme. So we got to find a medium between those two. Do we want to be liked? Do we care whether or not we're liked as a substitute teacher or teacher? And can you truly teach the kids well if you're liked? Now, I'll be honest. Let me just go back. I was I was a pretty good student. I made A's most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time. And even though I'm in my 60s now, I can think back to this day, and I'm, I'm betting since I've substitute taught for two years, I probably 
share these stories with the students and on this podcast, maybe even multiple times. But I remember my favorite teachers, they were the ones that perhaps I would help them out, and I just felt like they gave me a little bit more attention. Does that make you teacher's pet? I don't know. But as a student, I remember to this day, my favorite teachers were the teachers that do things like this. And I'm going to take a clip from an episode. I'm not going to play it. I don't want to violate any rules, but I'm going to describe it to you. If you remember an episode where Barney found this thing that predicts the future, and he predicted that... Opie would get an A in arithmetic, even though Opie had had B's and C's the whole semester. And sure enough, Miss Crump gave him an A, just like he wished for on the machine that Barney had. Now, when Andy asked her, he said, now, you know that he has been a B and C student most of the year. Why did you give him an A? And she said this. I know you've seen enough episodes of that that you know she wasn't a teacher who just handed out grades, but she did did see this. She said, he had a high B. It's not the first time that I've given the benefit of the doubt if the, if the student has really gone out of their way to improve their grade, to participate in class. If he's done things like that and he's got an 89 in the class, Maybe I'll increase it by just a point to help with his motivation. Let's face it. When the kids know they are close to the next letter grade and they are just fall one point short, that is a demotivator. Now, is it improper if they didn't earn that extra point? Well, here's the way I look at it. Probably, probably it is improper. The grades are the grades. But a lot of times I will look at the way I worded a question on a test. And I'm thinking, man, that I worded that a little trickier than I, than I meant to. Or perhaps when I did a review with them, maybe I remember myself saying something and then putting an answer down that would make them think that's the correct answer. Maybe they knew it before, and because of something I said and inadvertently misled them, maybe they put down the wrong answer. That might be another case when I kind of look at those questions and see what happens. Now, I will go ahead and tell you that this week there was a quiz involved in one of my classes, and I made it a Kahoot quiz this time. I didn't do a quiz assignment through Google Classroom. You know those are my two favorite because I love automation. But yet, I like to be able to go in there and manually do some things too. If I I cringe when I think about having to go through papers and papers and spending hours and hours for grading and loading into the system. So in that regard, I will always choose an automation type situation if I can to make it as automated as possible. That's what the last few podcasts have been about. In this situation, however, one thing I like about Kahoot's reports after you give them a Kahoot quiz or any any Kahoot for that matter, you click on reports and you click on players. It tells you the number of players. It will tell you what their percentage score is 
So if you're if you're using a system that all you have to do is enter percentages, you're good to go. You enter them in; it won't take you that long. Classes are your classes are probably smaller this year anyway, and you're good to go. You're ready to go. It will also tell you which questions were difficult. Now I did have one of those. That means over half of the class got the question wrong. In this particular case, I did not change it. You know, I guess I'm a terrible guy, but it is something that they should have known. But there was also one question that when I threw it up on the screen, I even made the comment to them while they were answering the questions that three of these answers look ridiculous. So you should get this one right. Now, when I glanced at it right after I said that, I realized you know, I put an answer up there and we just had a quick review about 15 minutes prior and I can see how I might have misled some of the students. And sure enough, there was a few that fell into that category. There was, I think I had a class of 20. I think there was 17 in there that got it correct, the answer I wanted. And there was three that picked the answer that I could see that it, I had misled them. And I'll, I'll say this, it was a question that had I intended this answer, it would, have been a, it would have been a much more difficult question. So they were actually doing a very good job paying attention to me. But in that case, I told them on the spot, how many of you picked blue? They raised their hands and I said, listen, I understand based on something I said why you picked blue I'm going to give you credit for that answer. And, you know, they probably learn more from that. They'll probably remember that situation more so than if they just got the question right and went on or if they just got the question wrong and went on. So that's the kind of things that I look for. I am an automated guy, but I will glance through the scores and I will normally tell them, all right, I've entered your scores. You have... 24 hours to tell me if you think I calculated your score wrong. I'm not going to let them negotiate an answer. I'm not going to say, but Mr. Collins, I felt like it was this. I'm not going to do that. And there's been situations where students would just ask me to retake the test. And it's a test sometimes when maybe more than half the class got A's on the test. I typically will not let them do that because of that. I'm not really, I don't want to grade on the curve, especially if I had several perfect test scores or if the average of the class is a high C. It's, it's kind of hard to curve in that situation. I remember curving when I was younger. Uh, usually it was in college. I remember it in college more so than anything else. I remember I had two accounting teachers that curve the grade different ways. One of them would take, would grade the test, take the highest score. Even if it was an 87, he would make that test a hundred percent and give everybody else 13 points. And then you had what you had. So he graded it that way. I know another teacher that would take the class average on the test add the number of points that he thought that a class should average on that test, 
and add those number of points to every score. And there were cases sometimes in that situation where some students, the top students, might get a few points over 100% because of what he'd added to the average. So that's not really what I'm talking about. I know some of you do that, and I think that might even be a good way to determine whether or not at least in my situation, that I did a good job of uh, explaining that to the students. And in a lot of cases, sometimes I didn't do a question very well. But getting back to Kahoot, with that in mind, Kahoot also tells you when you had difficult questions. A lot of students missed it. You can go to that question, and if you realize, man, I didn't do a good job of that, well, you can maybe change your mind. Or... If you said, no, I explained it, I went over that, some of the students got it correct. Not very many, but some of them did. So maybe it was a, you know, they just didn't listen well enough. And you can make that decision. That's going to be a decision you have to make for your class. But what about these situations where the kids were real close? Now, I will tell my kids this. I say, listen. All of the quizzes that we have this year, we are either going to have a written review or a vocal review where I walk you through some examples. Now, I'll be honest with you, as much as I like automation, I still like it when I can go up to that whiteboard and actually jot down some examples to try to jar their memory. A lot of times, if you throw a bunch of notes in front of a kid, it just looks so strange to what they were expecting. They don't understand it very well at all. I mean, I know teachers that have maybe just thrown up on thrown something up on a screen. Now, I actually haven't subbed for anybody like this, but I know teachers, because the, the kids describe them to me, who basically say the teacher just comes in, or the sub, throws up the notes, we write down the notes, and that teacher never discusses them. Well, I can tell you now, I haven't run into a whole lot of teachers like this, but I'm not sure how well the student adapts to that situation. So here's what I do instead, and as a substitute teacher, I've had a whole lot of good teachers, and I'm hoping some of those teachers are listening because You know who I have taught for most often, and I have learned so much from you guys. I want to say this. I haven't run into teachers too often that will just hand out notes like that. And what they will typically do, even if they have all the notes written down on a paper and want the students to copy the notes, they will still not only throw them up on the board, but talk about those notes as we go through them. It's just like anything else. I'll give you an example, sort of. I have been chosen as one of the people that gets to keep the clock. As a volleyball official, I get to go to the state tournament and keep the clock for both the semifinals and the finals. Those are going to be, there's probably going to be about four teams there. At least a couple of them. There'll probably be some upsets on the way, but a lot of our teams in Kentucky have been top ten, ten, top 10 teams in the country this year, so that's pretty impressive. What do I do? Well, 
I'm not going to go in blind and try to learn that score clock. I actually go on good old YouTube. I look up videos for this score clock. This particular one has different formats for each sport. And I even plan on learning all the details, like putting up the details, uh, statistics. Like if you're familiar with volleyball, you know what an ace, a dig, a kill, all those kind of things, a block. And I can put those up on the scoreboard, so I'm going to learn to do that. You could actually do them by player. And let's face it, the scorekeeper doesn't have that much to do until somebody scores. So I'll have plenty of time to do that. So that's what I plan to do. Taking notes in class is the same thing. You can throw up notes as much as you want, but until you actually walk through those notes with them, I don't think the kids comprehend it as well. So my procedure this week was, since there was a quiz involved in at least one class, I would walk through examples on the whiteboard that they were taking notes from. I like to do it that way rather than just my personal opinion, and it works great both ways, so whatever works best for you. I like to walk up to a blank whiteboard. In fact, in the past, more so than while we're in COVID uh, protocol right now, sometimes I would have kids walk up next to me and finish what I put up there or write what they think the notes should be while I put up there. And we would talk that way. And I really enjoyed that. And we'll, we've done variations on that where we've stayed apart. But my point is this, I would throw the notes up on the board. They would write as I go and I would talk through them. I would say right now, by the way, we're in one class, we're doing something on scale factors. And I would write up two similar images that were scale factors of each other and had corresponding sides and angles, and I would walk them through how you would determine not only if the items were to scale of each other, but how big the scale factor was. Was one of them totally to scale and four times larger? So we would walk through things like that, and we learned a lot more. In fact, I will tell you this. I was going to try to put the test up virtually for the students that missed, and that didn't work as well. And I'll be honest, some of the students that missed have A's all year long, but yet since they weren't able to hang out in that classroom and watch me talk through the examples with a lot of class interaction, because I think they learned it better if I let them answer the question about the notes. Well, it didn't work that well at home. And I said, you know, I'm going to give you all a second chance. When you come back into the classroom, I'll mix the questions up. I'll change them a little bit and let you get a second chance on that quiz because I don't want to ruin your grade just because you had to stay home that day and you get didn't get the advantage of coming in and being part of that classroom situation. So to make a long story short, Are we in a situation where we're not here to be liked? Let me back off of that statement and say it instead this way. We're not there only to allow those kids to have fun. We are there to teach those kids. But I will say it this way. I think I am there to be liked. I want to teach those kids 
I want to try to press them as hard as I can, but I still want them to like me enough that they feel comfortable coming up to me and and me answering questions for them. That's the way I approach this practice session this week when we're getting ready for the test. I said, listen, if you guys show me that you're participating well, that you want to improve your grade, that you want to do as well in this class as you can, then maybe I'll take it into consideration as we're going through the test and I'm looking at things to evaluate you on and I'm looking for homework assignments that are maybe worth 10 points and I'm looking for ways not really to hand out extra credit for goofy stuff like bringing in a football on game day or something like that, but and not really to disadvantage the students that have already done well, but to allow all the students the same chance to show me that they really understood the topic, even if they didn't test as well. Maybe it was just kind of some kind of fluke that day. Maybe they had something going on, but I want them to like me enough that they feel comfortable walking up to me and saying, Mr. Collins, I had a bad day. I've participated in class. Would you consider working with me? I'm not in a situation when I can tutor right now. There are some tutors. I admire them. But I want to be liked enough that a student will come up to me and say, Mr. Collins, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? What I tried to do in that review session this week is I said, all right, now we're finished with this particular example. I want to see thumbs up if you understand it. Now, a lot of them won't raise their thumbs any or will raise their thumbs anyway because they don't want to be intimidated. But I was actually happy to see some of them not raise their hand because they needed a little more information. So that's why I like to do the guided reviews and try to get them prepared for the test. And I think it went really well. I was proud of them. There was a couple of students that actually missed a question that I expected them to get because most of the rest of the class did, and they were normally ones that would answer the questions correctly. I just asked them about it, and they didn't try to beg for me to add that question back to their score. They just said, no, Mr. Collins, I realize that I'm, I didn't pay close enough attention to that question, and I got it wrong because I didn't read all the details. And, you know, it's it's crazy. I will say that when I give a Kahoot test, even though they've got 90 seconds to two minutes, that they still want to know at the end who the top three were. And I'd say, well, first of all, I'm expecting all of the top three to have 100%. So I'm not going to tell you who's at the top three because one is just as good as the other. In fact, all that might tell me is that some of you rushed through this when I told all of you, I told all of them, take at least 30 seconds before you answer to make sure you're reading it correctly. And I still got answers just as quick as maybe five or 10 seconds into the question. But my point is this, it is okay for a substitute teacher and a teacher to be liked. It's okay 
if the kids think you're their favorite teacher. Maybe you are their favorite teacher. That doesn't mean that you're not making them work at all. My philosophy is I try to be as nice to those kids as possible. I don't hand out grades, but I'm nice enough to them that they know they can walk up to me and say, Mr. Collins, I want help with this. Mr. Collins, I didn't understand this. Mr. Collins, that question was worded weirdly. Now, if it's a question that everybody else got right, obviously I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt there. If I have half the class come up to me and say, but Mr. Collins, you said this, and I remember, you know, I did say that, and while it wasn't wrong what I said, I can see how I misled you. Those kids are going to appreciate that, and they're going to learn from that. They'll probably learn more from that unusual situation than if they'd gotten the question right in the first place. So, guys, it's okay to be liked. I'm not anyone that would have a philosophy that it's ever okay to be hated. I would never want to do that personally. I will say at the same time, guys, you got to do what you got to do. You got to grade the way you want to. Do I have favorite students? I like to think I don't, but probably subconsciously, maybe I do. Do I like to give those students special treatment? I try not to. Do I like to fudge their grades because they? I think they could do better? Absolutely not. There is no way I would ever do that. But if I could see that they know Mr. Collins expects a lot of them, they know for that reason they want to try hard and do things for Mr. Collins or for you, maybe something that they haven't tried to do for other teachers because you're the one that said, hey, I'm glad you're giving me this time. I'm glad you're friendly enough that I can come up to you and talk to you. Then that's what I really am going for. I want to teach those kids I want to make them comfortable enough that they will discuss things with me, and then hopefully we will all grow through this together, okay? So by the time you hear this, you are either getting ready to vote, or you have voted, or we know who the new president is in 2020. So I would just encourage you, even if it wasn't your candidate, don't get upset. Support the president. They've got a tough job, and... I plan to support that president, even if it's not someone I voted for. So, guys, go out there. Be liked enough, at least, that those kids are comfortable in coming up to you and asking for your direction. Okay? I will see you on Substitute Teacher's Lounge next week. Music provided by Ben Sound.